Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. I had a had a picture during worship that I want to share with you, and then we'll get into the message. Yeah, Lord, I just pray for your anointing right now that you would fall, that your Holy Spirit would come. Without you, Holy Spirit, you're the power. You're the one that, that gives life. You're the one that takes um, the scripture and makes it come, to, come alive. You're the one that speaks. You're, you're the one that, that takes religious activity and makes it power. So come. We can't do this without you. We don't want to go through the exercises this morning and do church. We want to encounter the living God, and we want to open ourselves to you now, and we say, have your way, Holy Spirit. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. During worship, uh, during that song, um, uh, it was like uh, uh, the fire burning uh, inside of me. I'm living for my Savior, Jesus, eternally. I was closing my eyes, and sometimes I get pictures, and I got the picture. Um, I am, you know, I have my little office, and I have what you need, Gregsy. You need this bag. Come on out. Come on out, Gregsy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, you know, my little office is like my refuge. It's so cool. And I have a potbelly stove that I bought at Junebug's. For $200, I've never had a potbelly stove. And so I'm figuring it out, and I'm having more fun with my potbelly stove and warming my little 12 by 12 shack with the potbelly stove. And I'm learning uh, that a potbelly stove, if you keep it closed, it burns just as good as it does if the door's open. Actually, it burns a little better. And, uh, and uh, But I've also noticed that when you put the log on, just like a regular fire, Sometimes you need a fresh, fresh wood to keep the heat coming, and just like a regular fire. And that was a picture of me when we were singing that song. It's like, um, I, want, I want my fire to burn. I was like, Lord, sometimes I get stale. Even now, maybe, uh, I get complacent and going through the motions and kind of, I'm kind of in, in, a, in cruise control. You know, just kind of cruising along in my walk. I'm not really growing. There's not the passion, maybe the first love kind of stuff. I don't know. But I was like, I saw that picture and I saw, I said, Lord, put more wood on the fire. Put more wood on my fire. There is a fire burning in our hearts already. You know, there's a fire burning inside of me. It is in every one of us. When we gave our lives to Jesus, guess what? The fire started, but it needs more wood. It needs more wood. And I saw that picture clearly, and I was like, do that to me. What I do to my potbelly stove, you do it to me. And so, Lord, I release that right now for all of us to receive this word that you want to put more wood on our fires. And the fire of blue jean, whatever our fire is, we want more wood. And we receive it now because you want to give it. And we open ourselves up and we say, we receive all the wood you want to give us, Lord, in Jesus' name. All right. Um, this, this word today, 
it's about the church, and, and I've, I've begun to pray into next year and for Blue Jean and, and what we do, where we go, and we've been talking about it just a little bit, but there's, there's more to come. And I was thinking and praying into it as I'm walking in the woods. I'm like, Lord, what, what is the function of a church? What should we be doing in your eyes? Not in our eyes, but what should a church do? And as I just was walking and meditating on that and thinking about that, it, there were several things. The scripture immediately popped in my mind where Jesus, the last thing he said was, go and make disciples. Make disciples and go into all the world. Make out the nations, everybody, uh, to follow me. Go and make disciples. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you do that? And, and I, I, you know, one of the things that I love about the Holy Spirit, you know, He's Spirit. And as we've said in, in, our, in Blue Jean a million times, we are the weirdest people to the world because, and, and Peter even says it in, in, his, in the book, Peter, he says, we're a peculiar people. We're just weird because we are people that believe that there's more than just the natural realm. We believe in a spiritual realm that is like right there. They're parallel worlds. And you enter the spirit realm. And, and when we pray, we've entered heaven. And heaven comes to earth and affects things. And we do like this all the time in heaven and on earth. And that's weird to people that don't get that. It used to be weird to me. It's not anymore. It's normal. It's what we're supposed to do. But we believe that, okay? And, and so... Um, when we say go make disciples, the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, Jesus said that and the Holy Spirit wants us to do that and there's a spiritual side to that. There is the power and all that, but the ideas, the plans and the strategies, there's a practical side to living out our faith. We don't just say, oh, we're going to make disciples and we're going to you know, do evangelism and God's just going to do it all. It's like Moses when God said, go, go get my people out of Egypt. And he said, I'll be with you. There was a partnership. Moses had to get up and go. Now, God gave him the power and did all that, but there was a partnership. It doesn't just happen in a vacuum. We're, he, we get to play a part in, in the whole thing. And so it's, it's very important that we get that. And so uh, God is a very practical God. Although he is spirit, he is a planner and a strategist and very practical. If you want to see the reference in the scripture for that, look no further than Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope in a future. I mean... He is the ultimate planner. He planned Jesus' birth. He planned everything. He is, an, he is a planner. If you read the scripture, you can see how he planned the temple. I mean, nth degree kind of stuff. Like, he planned the tabernacle. He even said things like, this is the fabric I want. This is the color I want. I mean, he's like the ultimate planner. Very detailed. Very detailed. And so... I'm thinking, well, Lord, you've got plans for us in 2022. You've got plans. 
And what we want to do is that old uh, Blackaby Experiencing God course that we took 100 years ago. And one of the principles we all learned is we don't say, okay, God, we're going to go work for you and make disciples. And then we run out and try all this stuff that maybe doesn't work because we're doing it in our own strength. We say, Lord, what are you doing to make disciples? How do we plug into your plans and your strategies? And then there's power in that because we've stepped into the stream, the stream of God's power, okay? And so, I, I, there, so there's, there are real practical things that churches do to make disciples. And God is gracious and wanting to give us the plan if we're listening, okay? And so what does a church do? These are things that came to me. Well, some of it's inside. There's fellowship, there's community, there's family. We're growing Christians. We're providing opportunities for people to grow and mature. That's what churches do. Uh, you don't just stay babies when you're a Christian. You grow, you mature, and, and your, your life should exhibit that, okay? Uh, there's teaching. One of the things that churches do or should do and, and let me say this. I think a lot of churches do that really well. And I, we, we were really, uh, I think a year or so ago, maybe a little bit more, we were, we were uh, experiencing growing pains because we weren't doing that well here. We are now. We've moved into a whole different realm. And we are doing that a lot better. Okay, uh, there's also, I think, churches should create a place and opportunities for people to grow and experience the freedom and the goodness of God. And that includes things like uh, classes, uh, series, discipleship series, and inner healing. Getting rid of some of the junk that would be a block to us receiving God's goodness or being free. You know, just an example, one of the ways that I, I describe it, if you're dealing with a spirit of rejection, and, and my picture used to be beside fear of man rejection in the dictionary, they didn't have a, di they didn't have a definition, they just put my picture there. Because growing up, I could be anybody you wanted me to be at any time. And it was because I just hated being rejected. And so I could be whatever you wanted me to be. And uh, that, I have dealt with that in inner healing. I've had prayer about it. I've confessed it. We've done a lot of the work to help get me free of that. And while that, well, I think for everybody, there's some degree of that that we all struggle with. We all want people to like us, more or less. But that, that line in my life that used to dictate what I did has become a, a kitty cat. And I can, I can tell it, I can run it off in a heartbeat when I recognize it. And, and so that, that um, process, we, we are establishing that process to give people opportunities to get rid of stuff like rejection. Because when, when, when I was walking in rejection, it's like having sunglasses on and, and say one of you and me looking at that white wall over there and I had green sunglasses and you didn't and we looked at that wall and somebody said, what color's that wall? You would say it's white and I'd say, no, it's not, it's green. 
And both of us would be speaking the truth of our perception. But the one that said white was right. I was just perceiving things through my sunglasses. I was receiving through my sunglasses. And rejection or a spirit like that will create a, like sunglasses. It's lenses on your eyes that when somebody doesn't speak to you or somebody walks by you, if you're walking in rejection, what you're going to feel, they don't like me. You know, they didn't speak to me. And that, that is the spirit of rejection filtering information through that lens so that you totally mistake what was done. And when you get rid of it, somebody walks by you, you're like, well, hey, maybe this is just, this is just uh, they're busy. You can see them running, running beside by you going to do something else and you don't even check up on it and think, well, they don't like me, you know? And if you're walking in rejection and you feel like that, it creates division and conflict in the body. So let's get healed up from it. And you're speaking from a, I'm speaking a recovering rejection addict is speaking to you right now, okay? I'm in recovery. It's a little aside. Right, so we're doing that well. Outreach, I think this coming year, where we're gonna be going is not just worrying about getting our house in order. We're gonna begin to continue to do that. We're not neglecting that. But we're gonna begin to move outside the church and do outreach uh, mission trips. Things like that are on the agenda for the coming year. And here's, here's what's on my heart and, and leadership is behind this. The elder team is all behind this. And it is evangelism. Evangelism. And the reason, the motive for this, I want to be really clear. In our flesh, in our flesh, I love seeing y'all's faces on Sunday morning. I really do. I love to see y'all. I, I love seeing people here. It gives me gets me fired up seeing a lot of people here. Um, but that's just my flesh. And if we don't watch it, what we will want to do evangelism for so we can fill up the church. We can have all the people here, all of our buddies here, and more people, and we can we can be the growing church, not them, you know. And that's not a godly motive. That is straight up flesh. I confess it and I don't want it. That is not God when we do that. And we all do it. So nobody gets, gets free of that. Y'all, well, but we had to fight through it. And so it's like, I want to fight through that because that's gross. I don't want that. But here's the motive. God's given us the word here. We've been given the word. And I want to, before I get there, I looked it up this morning just to make sure in the book of Revelation, uh, the apostle John goes to heaven and Jesus gives him, uh, among other things, prophetic word, he gives him messages for seven churches in the area of Asia Minor, which is basically Turkey. And he gives them seven messages, seven letters to the churches. And every single one of them has this in it. It says, those who have ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. It's not an individual. It's a church. Jesus is speaking to the church. 
If he's speaking to the churches in Asia Minor, guess what he's doing today? Because Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday that he will be tomorrow, right? And so if he was speaking to the churches back in those times, guess what he's doing today? He's speaking to the churches to those that are listening. And we want to be a listening church. Jesus said, you, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. And so we're supposed to be able to hear him. Well, I believe with all my heart that the, the, the Lord is speaking to this particular church and saying, I want you to start reaching out. I want you to start bringing people to know me. And here's where we get back to the motive. It's not to fill up the church. It's that to fulfill the calling that Jesus has given us that we are the Father's house. That when people come here, regardless of background, regardless of economics or social uh, status or whatever, that people can come and experience the love and the goodness and the power of a good, good Father and experience the freedom that Jesus brings and that the Holy Spirit brings. That people will fall in love with God because of his goodness. Romans is very clear. And it says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And I can testify to that in my life. And so we, we are the Father's house. We are in the process of creating a place where people can experience a good Father. The freedom in that, the joy in that, the peace, the love, the power, the transformation, the provision, all of that. That's what we're called to do. And it's set up. It's teed up. We're ready. We can bring people into an environment where they can experience the goodness of God. And we're supposed to. Josh, uh, where are you? There you are. Uh, we had a cool thing happen last week. I don't see him today, and that's cool. And we won't identify the person. But last week, we had some prayer time down here. We prayed for a guy that had moved to Selma uh, and came to church here and loved it, was blown away by it. He told us his life story, and there were a lot of problems in it. But he had gotten in with God at some point, and he loved God, and he rededicated his life here. And Josh, I'm going to get you to come up now. Um, I mean, and that, I was thinking, we've been praying about evangelism. We've been praying that the Lord would bring people to us, and this is evidence of it. And Josh had a dream that morning that really spoke to the guy. So I'm going to let Josh tell you about the dream, and uh, then we'll get back on the sermon. Total first for me. I mean, I've had dreams that God had given me before, but this was just a different kind of version. So uh, maybe 4 a.m. or something a little before that, the Lord gave me um, two dreams that were next to each other. And um, and I was looking out, just like I'm doing now, at a church full of people and familiar faces and those kind of things. And, um, and people were, uh, well, the first dream, sorry, people were just crying out for salvation. The second dream was very similar, um, also in here, and um, and I realized that the people that were crying out for salvation were crying out for rededication. They wanted to rededicate their life to Christ, which is so sweet. Um, by the way, I've done that about a hundred times. One time, I made a pastor sick because I'd go up to the front every every Sunday. He actually told me, "Can you stop coming up here? You're, you're saved." You know, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so there's no shame in it is all I'm saying, but um, it's just a great thing to do when you make that confession. It's powerful. It's all spiritual and stuff. But so I had that dream and I realized um, 
that it was really powerful, and I woke up 4 a.m. and prayed into it until I came to church, you know, and, um, and, uh, and so Colin was praying for this fella, and we started, uh, uh, praying for him, he started telling me his background, and he had, you know, he had grown up in church, he was a Christian, those kind of things, and all this stuff, and, um, and then I was like, oh my, this dream was about you, you, and, and, uh, so I told him, I was like, man, God gave me a dream about you last night, and, um, and it connected, you know, it wasn't just words coming out of my mouth, it was the Lord confirming that his heart was sweet towards him, and it's just so cool, God is so cool, uh, it was like supernatural evangelism in a way, but he got such confirmation that he was in the right place at the right time with the right people, that he had made the right decision, you know, um, and so I just, I felt like, are we doing communion first, or, oh, okay, um, I just felt like, um, you know, at some point during this message, if it's right now, then that's awesome. But if it's in your heart to rededicate your life, let me just pray for you guys. I think that God's spirit is on this, and that's why I'm doing this. So um, I would recommend that you raise your hand or just make some kind of, like, expression, like move move out, stand up, whatever you got to do. But rededicating your life, there is zero shame allowed in this process zero shame at all but just rededicating our lives we can close everybody close your eyes let's do that yeah pray that's this is the vision that i had or the picture that i had of more wood more wood on the pot belly stove so let's ask him for it he's talking this morning yeah yeah lord we're listening yeah and um I'm not even looking, but I want you to stand up before the Lord if, uh, if, the, if this is for you. It, this is the time, this is a place. You came to the right place this morning to rededicate your life to Christ, every part of it. Um, even if there's like a little, like, I don't know, <laughs> then just go ahead and do it. That's all I'm saying. And that's why every eye is closed because this is between you and him. But making that statement is going to be powerful for you. So, Lord, we just thank you so much, Father, for the reality of who you are in this place. Lord God, that you welcome us home every chance we give you, Lord. You're running out there with a ring and a robe, Lord God. Nothing could get between you and us, Lord. Not one not one kind of evil. There's nothing out there that could stand against you, Lord. So we just thank you so much for being in this room, running after your sons and daughters with, with uh, abandon and, um, and capturing them in their lives right here and right now, Lord God. We just thank you for putting wood on the fire like Bob explained to us, Lord God. Just, just begin to burn so hot. Lord God, I just thank you for a sunburn in this place. In Jesus' name, <laughs> you know, like just burn so hot on us, Lord God. Let us let us feel your your power and your presence within us. And uh, we just thank you so much for giving us the opportunity. Like Bob said, we get to do this. We get to give our lives to you. And it's so powerful because you do have plans and purposes. And we're not lost once we get found by you, Lord. So I just thank you so much for that. And um, everybody in this place said... Amen. Thanks, Josh. Awesome. Um, well, we're going to talk about evangelism and, and about making disciples. And the scripture is pretty clear in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. It says, uh, how can somebody believe unless they hear the word, right? And so um, one of the ways... There's a lot of different ways to do it, but one of the ways is to get somebody here so they can hear the word. 
And if, they, if they're not in a place where they can hear the word, how can they have faith? That's part, the beginning part, the beginning step of making disciples is where they begin to give their life to Jesus. Where they open themselves up and begin to want to walk with him. And one of the ways to do it is to be here, to hear the word. Um, it's a place to experience God's presence. You know, one of our core values here, our highest, our highest value is the presence of God. And it's, it's like when you get in God's presence, everything changes. It does. Um, you know, one of the metaphors that, that I heard in the, a course called the Alpha Course that we did 100 years ago, and it was an Anglican priest in England where there was a revival going on. And he was speaking of this metaphor, and he said, you know, church is like this. Some people say, I don't need to go to church. You know, I'll get my Jesus right where I'm on the, on the creek bank or I'm, while I'm fishing. And, you know, I do too in the woods or wherever. There's a personal relationship in a one-on-one, -on -one, but there's also a real need for fellowship and family. Jesus modeled that. The disciples, he had 12 of them that were in his inner circle. When they went out, they went out two by two. They didn't go out by themselves, and the reason is because we're so susceptible to the enemy attacking us. If we're, you know, just like you can't see a piece of food in your teeth. You got to have somebody that says, hey, you got a piece of food right there. Your zipper's down or whatever, you know? It takes somebody else to see that sometimes because you're just too close to it to perceive things correctly. And, and that comes from community. It does. And so one of the pictures that, I, that stuck in my mind forever was this guy, Nicky Gumbel was the guy's name that was teaching it. He said there was a guy that went to a spiritual mentor and, and went to a spiritual mentor and said, I am just stale. I'm just kind of blah. I'm just kind of not doing great. And the guy said, well, what, what's going on in your life? And the spiritual mentor, the, the guy that was struggling said, well, you know, I've got this going on. I've got this going on. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And the guy said, are you spending time in fellowship in a, in a group, in a small group or a class or reading the word or whatever. And the guy said, no, I'm just so busy. And, and the guy said, well, watch this. And so he, he God, there's something going on with this fire thing this morning. But he said the mentor reached into the fire with some tongs, pulled out a coal and put it on the hearth. And he said, watch that coal. Within two seconds, the coal went from red hot to gray. And then he said, no, watch this. He picked the coal up, put it back in the fire. It went from gray to red hot immediately. And he said, that is a picture of what community and fellowship, spiritual community looks like. The fire from that coal helps keep the other coals fi fired up. And the, and the fire from the other ones helps that particular coal fire up, stay fired up. And it's no different with us. Iron sharpens iron, straight out of the word. And so we need the fellowship and the family so that we can stay on fire. Without it, it's easy to wane, okay? And so evangelism for us is the, the motive is so that people can come and experience the Father's heart um, and not to fill up the church. It's no different the other day. You know, I, I love the woods. Y'all know that. I talk, I talk about that. I just, I would live out in the woods. Um, 
if Ann would go with me, uh, you know, uh, but she won't. But I love the woods, and so I, especially uh, November. It, around here, November is the, the best month of the year to, to look at all the color and the trees and all that. And so I'm just wandering through the trails in the woods, and I'm taking pictures like a gomer. You know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that tree's so pretty. You know, I'm a tree hugger for sure. And, and so I'm walking through there, and I was like, I just got to get Ann out here to see this. She's just got to come out here and see it. I came home. I said, you have got to make time to come out and see this with me. It's just too, it's too pretty to, to ignore it. And so she did. She came out and, and uh, liked it too. And, uh, and so that's, that's the essence of evangelism. That's it. It's not a program to win souls to Jesus or to fill up a church. It's that we've experienced the goodness of God, the mercy of Jesus, the kindness of God. We've experienced his faithfulness. And it's like, I want everybody I see to experience it too. You know, I, I, it's not just for me. It's not, I just got minds. I got mine so I can help other people get theirs. That's the essence of evangelism. It's sharing the good news of the gospel with a dying world that is hopeless, they don't have the answers, they don't know what to do, and they don't sometimes don't even know what they need. And it's up to us to invite, to share the good news, and to do it in a way that they can hear. I mean, if you, you know, if I walked up to somebody in Walmart, it might be effective. I'm just too chicken to do it. But to say, are you saved? You know, I had people say that when I was not saved, and it made me mad. I'd say, I don't know. I would say this. I literally said this one time in college in a, in a meeting where somebody asked me, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And I said, I don't know. I said, I'm Presbyterian. I said, that's already predestined anyway. And I checked out, you know. And the joke was on me. That, just pure arrogance is all that was on my part. So it is not, that, that young man that was talking to me had his heart right. Mine was not right. This is, that is not a joke on him. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a criticism of me. But that's where I was. And what his, his method at that time was not what I needed. It didn't matter what he did at that time. I wasn't ready. But we need to have wisdom in how we do this. And we need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and do this. See, we, we go back around. He's the strategist. He's the planner. We call him sometimes laughingly. He's so, he's so wonderfully sneaky. He snuck up on me. He'll sneak up on people. Before they even know it, they're in. They're like a frog cooking slowly. Well, you know it, you're cooked. <laughs> I just saw Donnie. He's the one that got me to go to Mexico, and that's when it all started. Tell him all the time, it's your fault. It's your fault. Anyway, um, so, you know, we need to follow the strategies of, of the Lord so that it's effective, Right? We don't want to just make up programs so we can just go out and, you know, do stuff. We want to do what the Lord tells us to do, right? 
And so I asked that. I said, all right, Lord, show me. What are, what are your strategies and plans? If you're such a good planner and strategist, and I know you are, speak to me and tell me. And this is what happened. Flipping your Bibles to John chapter 1. Walking, walking on the road out at my land, this is what happened. This story pops in my mind. Listen to it. John chapter 1. Verse 35. The next day, John the Baptist was there with his two disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, y'all, there's the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following him and said, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said, Well, come on. Come on. And you'll see. And so they went. And saw where he was staying. They hung out with him that day. They spent the whole day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew was one of them that hung out with him. And he said, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. After hanging out with Jesus, the scripture's clear. It says the first thing Andrew did was to go find Peter. He loved him some brother. He loved him. And he wanted to tell him. And he said, Peter, we found the Messiah. This is the Christ. It's the one we've been looking for, Peter. It's like, man, come, you got to see the trees out here. You got to see the woods. They're beautiful. I just wanted to share it with someone I loved. That's all Andrew did. He just shared it with somebody he loved. I found the good news. It's him. It's this guy I found him. I want you to find it too. I got mines, but I want you to get yours. And he brought him to Jesus. Andrew said, come on with me. I'll show you how to get there. I'll take you with me. I'll make it easy for you, Peter. I'll come get you and I'll bring you in. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, You are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter. Cephas is Aramaic. I didn't know this until I was reading a little bit about this scripture, kind of looking at different translations and commentary and stuff. And Cephas is the Aramaic uh, version of, of uh, Peter. Right? And so, the next day, Jesus decided to leave Galilee. He found Philip, and he said to Philip, follow me. Okay, So here we go again. Here it comes again. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip went and found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and whom the prophets spoke, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, and look at, look at, look at Nathaniel's response. He said, Nazareth? Are you kidding me? He says, he said, can anything good come from there? <laughs> he had zero faith. He's like, you know, they're from that town? Oh, they're chump change. They ain't got it. And, uh, 
And he said, Philip said, Philip said to him, come and see. Philip didn't talk him into it. Philip didn't say, well, let me explain all this to you. You know, let me make you come. You're going to go to hell if you don't, boy. He just said, come and see. You check it out. Because he knew that if he was around Jesus long enough, he'd get it. And do you think the presence of God is an important component to a church? If the presence of Jesus is here, if they can just come, they encounter Jesus and it transforms people. It just does. I'm proof of that, by the way. And then he says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. I think of Dane when I think of that. Uh, one of the scriptures says, in whom there is no guile. I tell Dane he's, he's that guy. There's no guile in Dane. I hope you're watching, Dane. <laughs> How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, but you'll see greater than that. And then he added, I tell you the truth, you'll see heaven open and the angels of God descending and ascending on the Son of Man. All right. In this scripture, here's a pattern. Also, well, I want to read this one real quick. We're just going to pick little bits and pieces of it. But it's the story of the woman at the well. Okay? Um, the storyline, it's in John chapter 4. The woman at the well, had um, she was not respected by the women. They didn't, women went to the well at later in the afternoon or early in the morning when it wasn't so hot. She was there in the middle of the day because she didn't want to see anybody because she was scorned. Her life wasn't matching up with what the good people of the community thought should. So she would go when she wouldn't see anybody. And Jesus begins a conversation with her and says, she, will you get me some water? And she says, well, yeah. Why are you talking to me? And he said, well, if you would ask me, I'd give you living water. And she said, I want some of that. And this is what Jesus says to her. In verse 15, chapter 4, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, Well, you're right about that. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you said is quite true. And she says, Oh, my gosh. Sir, she said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is Jerusalem. And Jesus goes on and he says, hey, it's not about the place. The true worshipers worship in spirit and truth. And, and uh, in verse 25, she says, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to you. And Jesus says, it's me. I'm the one speaking. I am the Messiah. And she's like, Oh, Gomer Pyle, golly. And so she runs to the town and it says, leave. she left her water jar. She went to the town and she told the people, come and see a man that told me everything I ever did. There's a pattern here. 
Come and see. And they came out. And, and then it says, down here in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when uh, the Samaritans came to see Jesus, they urged him to stay with them. He stayed two days. And because of his words, hearing the words, faith comes by hearing. And by being in Jesus' presence, it says, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. There's a pattern here. There's a pattern here, y'all. And the first thing that's consistent is it's important that people encounter Jesus. And today, it's his presence. It's the spirit of Jesus that people encounter. He's not here in the flesh, but he is here by his spirit. And I believe that here, the Lord has teed this up and told us this is the Father's house, that his presence is here. And so if people can just come and get in his presence, it's like you don't have to do a whole lot. You don't have to convince. You don't have to talk somebody into something. You don't have to have cool cookies to give them. Although that's a cool thing to do to make somebody feel loved. That's an awesome thing. But the, but the main thing is his presence. Bringing people. And there's, there's something about corporate worship that manifests God's presence differently than any other time. And so if there are people out there that aren't here, they're missing out. They're missing out. They're not encountering God's presence like we do. If that's one way for people to get it, to begin to experience the goodness of God like we have, to experience the gospel, one of the ways is to be here so they can encounter the living God. And then he does the work. That's one of them. Number two, you know, one of the things I love about Blue Jean, and I believe it's an important component of Blue Jean, is that we unabashedly, unashamedly embrace the power of God and the supernatural power of God, the gifts of the Spirit, and that God is a supernatural God. We say, yes, 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 you are. We, we believe it. We've experienced it, and we want it. And in each of these stories, when you read them, notice not only did Andrew say, go to Peter, come on, you got to see, or Philip said to Nathaniel, or the woman said to the townspeople, there were supernatural things that happened in those stories that created the atmosphere for evangelism. It's called power evangelism. In the first story, Jesus, when Peter walks up, the first thing he says to him is a prophetic word. He said, you're not just Simon. You're Peter. You're the rock. I mean, if he had said that to me, I'm like, how do you know me? You don't know me. And Nathaniel said that to him. When, G, when Peter, Nathaniel walked up, Nathaniel was like, this guy's from Nazareth. He's a country bumpkin. Nobody knows him. He, uh, he's not educated. He's from, uh, he's from the wrong side of the tracks. He's from out in the sticks, you know? So he's coming in with unbelief, and he walks up to Jesus, and Jesus says, I saw you sitting under the fig tree before you got here. And he's like, Gomer Pyle, golly, 
How do you know that? That's a word of knowledge. That's a supernatural word of knowledge that Jesus used for evangelism. It helps them without explaining and, and going through a bunch of conversation. It was like, you must be the Son of God because how would you know that otherwise? You know, I'm telling you something that I personally experienced. My life got wrecked and changed through a prophetic word and I didn't even know what that was. I couldn't, I couldn't have told you. I couldn't have not believed in it because I didn't know it existed until it happened to me. So this is, this is one of the ways. Teach me your ways, oh God. We say that all the time. Teach me your ways. Well, this is one of his ways. He'll show off to bring people into his kingdom to experience the goodness of God and to, and to walk in the gospel message. Supernatural things happen. The woman at the well, same thing happened. Jesus got a word of knowledge about how she was living and it blew her away. And it was enough to get a bunch of the townspeople to come. And they said, we started believing because of what the woman said, but after hanging out with you and encountering you, Jesus, we believe because we've been in your presence. You see the pattern here? The scripture is very clear. I want to read it out of the NLT. This is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could, come, that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. The NIV says, these people have a form of godliness, but deny his power, have nothing to do with them. One of the things that I love about our family is we're like, well, we don't get it all, we don't understand it all, but we want it all. We want the power of God to manifest and we want to be the vehicles for that through the gifts of the Spirit and whatever else you want to do, Holy Spirit, to accomplish evangelism. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Scripture and not just hearing the Word, but doing the Word. Here's the model right here. This is the Jesus model. That's what he did. He was getting words of knowledge and prophetic words, and it was having profound effect on people, just like it does today, because I'm living proof of it. I'm, I'm, I can tell you, I can testify that it is still happening today because it happened to me. That's why I got in. And so, I believe the Lord wants to do that here. That's a strategy. That's easy. We just say, whatever you want to do, Lord, use me. I'm in. You are too, Braxton. Jesus says this in John chapter 10, verse 37. Well, verse 25, let's start there. He says this, he's speaking to unbelieving Jews and he says, the miracles, this is in verse 25, Jesus answered them um, um, in verse 22. Then they came to the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was, it was uh, winter and Jesus went to the temple in the, in the Solomon's colonnade and the Jews gathered around him and they said, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. And this is what Jesus says. 
Jesus answered, I tell you, I did tell you, but you don't believe. He said, the miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. We just saw the evidence of that. It's like they do speak for him. The miracles do. The supernatural stuff. And then in verse 37, this is what he says. Same chapter. He says, do not believe me unless I do what the, my father does, but if I do it, even though you don't believe me, at least believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. He's like, at least believe the miracles. Y'all, this is a strategy of the Holy Spirit for evangelism. We invite because we love and we want to share the good news we want to share the beautiful sunset with someone we love. We want to share the gospel with someone we love. Someone in our sphere, someone of, 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 of influence, a family, a workplace, um, friend group, whatever. We want to invite. It's not our job to manipulate, control, and talk them into it. It's just invite. Just come on. Come and see. I'll come pick you up. I tell people all the time, I'll be waiting on the sidewalk for you because I know it. you feel like a goober walking into a place the first time. I do. Like everybody's looking at me. I'll walk in with you so they'll be looking at me because I'm a goober anyway. So they won't be looking at you. I try to make it easy for people. If you need a ride, I'll come pick you up. Or let me come pick you up. Just invite. Last. Prayer. Colin was, we talked about this on our elder team. Colin is, was the one that said, hey, we need to pray about this. You know, we can have great plans and strategies, but unless the Lord is, is uh, leading and anointing it and igniting and activating this in us, it will be like walking through prairie mud, eating hominy, you name it, whatever the thing is that you do that makes you like, oh, this is so hard. But if we ask the Holy Spirit, show us how to do this in your strength, in your power, in your plans, not a program, but your strategy, and give us the grace to do it. It may be work, but it won't be heavy. And one of the key markers for me in my life, I've got it, I should have brought it, I've got a dog bowl. Y'all have heard me talk about it a million times. I literally have a dog bowl that says, my dog bowl at my shack and the Lord gave me a prophetic word through sweet Meg one time that I was not supposed to do things that weren't in my dog bowl. She saw me on all fours eating out of that dog bowl. And she said, don't do what's not in your dog bowl, but do what's in your dog bowl. Lord, we want to do what's in your dog bowl. And everybody's different, so your dog bowl will look different than my dog bowl. But we want to do whatever's in our dog bowl, we want it to be anointed. We want it to have power so that when we invite, people will come and they will encounter the living God here. And prayer is key to that. We're going to do it this morning. We're not just going to talk about it. We're going to pray some about this, that the Holy Spirit will activate, will ignite, will highlight people, that you'll be in the grocery store and when Dixie buying a head of lettuce and somebody will walk up to you and all of a sudden you'll have this thought pop in your mind, I need to invite them to Blue Jeans. Or some, I had somebody come to my door last night about uh, Brandon um, McHugh. He's having a hard time. 
in a lot of pain. And I said, would they be open to prayer? And I don't want to in, in, in invade or be unsensitive, but if they'd be open, we'd come. I said, we believe in miracles of God, and we'll come. We'll come. I mean, that was a no-brainer. They came at 9.30 last night. And so sometimes it's like even I won't miss it, you know? But if we pray, God's going to start highlighting people at work and other places, and it's going to be in our mind, and it starts with prayer. So key, Colin. God used you to help us not run off without asking. We're going to do it. You know, this is going to really kick off in January. I mean, how many of us have made a million you know, New Year's resolutions? I'm going to lose 100 pounds this year, you know, because I can only wear pants with spandex in them, you know? We've all done that, every one of us. It's a great time for new resolutions, new thinking, restarting. It's a great time to kick off a month where we just invite people to church. And we ask the Lord now to begin to make that real so that it's not heavy. We want to do it. We do it easily. We're just wanting to share the good news, right? That's easy. I can do that. I want to do that. I say this often, and this is, there are people that, you know, focus on the end times and, and, and that kind of thing, and that's a good thing. That's in the scripture, and I'm all for that. And that may be in their dog bowl. It is not in my dog bowl. My dog bowl is to bring as many people into the kingdom as possible before I check out. And that's my, that's my goal. That's my focus. That's my vision. I want people to know the goodness and the mercy and the kindness and the ability of God while they're here on earth. And this is part of it, y'all. It's not okay to be a church that is comfortable and tamed. I prayed for years, and I still pray, God, do not let Blue Jean be tamed. We do not want to be tamed and have a good program and good facilities and all that. All that's important. That is not a condemnation of that. That's part of it. It's wonderful for that, and we've got that now. But we do not want to be tamed. We want to embrace the Holy Spirit strategies, supernatural strategies and whatever. And we want more wood on the fire. More wood on the fire. Lord, in my pot belly stove, put more wood on the fire because it burns out, y'all. And you know it. It does for me too. God uses just practical, stupid, silly things to teach and he's using a pot belly stove for me, even now, to teach me what this looks like. What's that book? Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. That's what we're talking about. All right, so we need to ask. We're going to, going to we're going to kick this off in, in uh, January. We're talking about newcomers' classes. We, Josh and Mary and I were meeting this week. We talked a lot about this. We got plans coming. The leadership, elder team, we're all we're all in. This is this is something Blue Jean will be heading for next year, and it's doable. It's easy, and we're going to ask for the grace for it. All right. 
All right, let's see. We've got a little video. This is really silly. Uh, it'll break the ice a little bit. But Josh and Mary were talking about this. And it's, it's uh, I was going to set y'all up by saying this is a very high theological, high church kind of thing where, you know, it's very, very uh, theologically correct and all that. But the, a lady on Family Feud, of all things, modeled what we want to do. <laughs> and they told me about it, and I pulled it up on YouTube, and I laughed out loud. I said, that is so awesome. She was on Family Feud asking for what we want this morning. And I said, so we're going to play it this morning. We're going to have a little fun with it, and then we're going to ask the Lord to do the same thing for us. Can you all play it? <laughs> I just they said they said it had gone viral and I was like that is too good. That is a great example of someone living their faith. You know, just going for it. And so this morning we're going to do the same thing. And uh, anyway, let's pray. Lord, we receive this high calling for evangelism. You have created the Father's house. You've honored us, Lord. It's such an honor. I can't believe you've honored us by calling us your house. You're the Father's, we're the Father's house. I mean, what an honor. How could, you, how could you be so kind and good to us to, to, to call us that and to be willing for your presence to be here like, like you do? It's, it's too good. It's like, Lord, we know we know ourselves, and, and yet you you love us and you you call us your house. And Lord, we we know we believe. I do with all my heart, and I I believe our elder team and and our church is catching catching the vision that this is a calling that you have for us to reach out to a dying and hopeless world for people that are broken and broken from the world standards and broken on the inside that look like they've got it going all going on together, that, that it's all together. That you are going to have people that you have picked to be here with us that will get what you want to give them here. You've got them picked out, and we want everyone that you've picked up, picked out, we want them here. Jesus prayed it. He said, Lord, I don't, I don't want to lose a single one. And we don't want to lose a single one that you've, you've called to be here. And uh, we receive this calling. We are honored to receive it. And we believe that this is what you're speaking to this church. That this, we will enter a season of invitation to come and experience the gospel of Jesus and the abundant life that he promised on earth as it already is in heaven. So, Lord, we receive it. And like the lady on Family Feud, Lord, we say activate. Activate this anointing. Activate this evangelism thing. Activate the desire 
We don't have to do this in our own strength. We don't have to work up the desire. We don't have to try hard to make it work. We can just ask you to do it for us, to create desire, to, to highlight people that you want us to invite. We, we gladly partner with you, just like Moses and just like everybody in the Scripture, Lord. You want to do something, but you include us in the plan. You want us to be a part of it. And we say, yes, yes, yes. We want to be a part of it. We accept this. We want it. We partner with you, Holy Spirit, right now. Activate. Put wood on the fire. Burn, help our fires to burn brightly, Lord, and give us the desire to share your goodness and your good news with other people. And we want everyone that you want here. We want them here. And so, Lord, do it now. By your Spirit, Holy Spirit, like you did at Passover, move over the hearts of every person here and the ones that aren't, and do it this morning. Do it. Activate. 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 Holy Spirit, activate. We receive. We receive. Lord, I pray for encouragement in this, that you would give us examples. You would give us uh, evidence of people coming, where there, there are more and more people that are experiencing your goodness in the Father's house. Lord, we pray this knowing that you're going to answer. We thank you for the answer and your faithfulness because this is a prayer that we've asked in accordance with your will. And in John, 1 John 5, 14, it says, if we pray in accordance with your will, we shall have the confidence to know that we have what we've asked. Lord, we know you're going to do this because this is in accordance with your will. Lord, activate the Andrew plan in us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.